everybody. Yeah. Fuck your body. Yeah. Everybody. Okay. Okay. Nobody, right? Hey, hey. So juice that. All right. Oh my God, guys. That wasn't even planned. That wasn't even (laughs) planned. Look at that. That's just us. We're kismet like that, per. Exactly. Anyways, yes, everybody, we are back from our holidays and work things and all of the mess that kept us from, I mean, we still talk to each other, but, you know, we haven't been able to talk to you. That's, that's an important <laughs> But we did provide like you guys with, like, two special episodes, you know? Exactly. We thought of you while we were off, you know, doing things. We thought of you. So take that. Take that and hold it in your heart. But anyways, we are Soju Chronicles. We talk about anime, dramas, cartoons, novels, and all of the in-between. So let us start, as always, with what are you drinking? I am not drinking anything fancy today because I had a headache earlier, but I feel better now. But I'm still recovering, and therefore I am drinking... Just ginger ale and gin. <laughs> Simple and straight to the point. Yeah. Um, I am drinking Captain Morgan. Love him. And I'm drinking the mango Mai Tai, which is like honestly becoming one of my favorite go-to drinks. Mm, okay. It just tastes so good. Um, it has a bit of rum in there. It is 6%. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, basic. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah, I don't know. It's just like the perfect balance of like a cocktail with like a bit of a, a kick to it. You know what I mean? So the product details, an iconic cocktail in a ready-to-drink format that will take over the bartending duties. This balanced cocktail combines Caribbean rum with sweet carabao. It's a carabao? Caribou? Okay. Mango flavor, conveniently ready to pour. Enjoy chilled or over ice. Just add sunshine. And it's made in Quebec. Quebec, Canada. So, you know, <laughs> local. But yeah, that's what we're drinking. And I guess we're just going to get back into it. I'm actually really excited to get back into things because we have definitely caught up and, you know, we've been watching things and reading things together, but uh, we haven't really had a chance to talk about it because we want to make sure that, you know, we have stuff to record, clearly. <laughs> so... Uh, I'm actually really excited to start talking about some of the things that we've been reading and watching. But let's start with anime. And we started Naruto Shippuden. Woo! And we we watched the first two arcs of it. Now, I had finished this, like, way before I even went on vacation. But I did do a refresher today. And it made me very angry. It actually helped me deal with my emotions uh with the current exo news so you know it was a great distraction <laughs> um but yeah so how did you feel about the first two arcs of naruto so the first arc is um the kazakaze kage rescue mission and that's basically um this is a time skip so when shippuden starts it's like two years after um, the last events of Naruto and Naruto himself had been with Jiraiya training uh, Sakura was with uh, Tsunade training and um, Sasuke had left and he was with Orochimaru which is funny, I, it actually just clicked with me that they were actually off with the three famous Senen 
because remember the three of them used to be trained like they used to train together they were a team mm -hmm. so each of the, naruto's team were off with the these masters learning from them and so the first arc is um this is basically um them going back to suna where gara is gara creepy as fuck as always uh and <laughs> Basically, somebody's trying to take his um, monster. What's what's the name of these monsters that's inside of them? The it's the oh one because you know, as soon as you're talking, now I'm remembering because I had watched the first arc a lot um a lot earlier than I watched the second arc. So now that you're talking about it, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot I watched that. Something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I actually. When I was watching, I was doing a refresher only on the second arc. So um, I was watching it and they did a lot of flashbacks to the first arc. And I'm like, oh yeah, that is what happened in this first arc. But also, this is also what happened in the second arc. It's been a while. But anyways, yes. So uh, somebody, the Akatsi is trying to take his Jinchuriki, which is what the beast, the each of these tailed beasts are. Um, the one tail is in Gara, the nine tail is in Naruto, and so somebody's trying to ret to retract Shukaku from Gara. And this arc is basically dealing with Gara having feelings, uh, and it's basically <laughs> also like us sort of seeing, like, learning more about Suna because obviously Suna is like their best friends. Suna and Konoha Hana are like besties, you know, like Gara and Naruto both gonna be like leaders one day, and you know. Um, some people marry in between the two of them. So, you know, there's a connection and we're trying to build it here. And so we have um, Sakura who is showing off, you know, her new skills with um, Lady Chio from Suna and Sasori and Naruto. And yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I do want to point out that Sakura still ain't got a kill. She still doesn't have a W. Um, because Lady Chio was the one who killed her grandson, um, who was one of the Akatsi. And yeah, I mean, Kakashi was on the mission as well, looking fine as always. And I mean, we, I like, uh, it was an okay arc. I mean, I didn't really feel anything when Gara died, quote unquote, and then she, Lady Chia had to like bring him back to life with her the remaining her remaining like life force um i didn't really feel anything from that i was actually kind of excited at the beginning like i was like oh sakura has trained she's actually useful um she knows all these plant things and she can punch things really hard and then i saw her in battle and i realized that no she still has a ways to go and you know she's not she's sakura you know um but i actually really liked seeing how people in Suna like reacted to Gara, you know. Like I did, I like seeing that dynamic. I like seeing his dynamic with his siblings, and yeah, I mean that's about it. And Kakashi in battle, definitely sexy, especially when he did that time skip shit. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> Kakashi's going back in time or something. It was kind of cool, uh, but yeah, that was it for me with that arc. I think the bigger arc, obviously, is the Tenchi Bridge reconnaissance mission when they introduce oh. a new member to team seven and a sigh with his art is oh, oh my gosh by the end of that arc i was like team sigh 
and then I accidentally watched like the next episode because I didn't realize it was 54 and then I, mm. I didn't watch all of it I just watched like half of it and I was cracking up because poor size just like I just want to make friends <laughs> I know I know you know what when they introduced Sai and Sai literally was fucking with them, I was like, yes, okay, we need, we need someone to shake the table here because everybody getting too comfortable with each other. And then when he was on the, the journey and he was like, uh, Sasuke is a criminal. Yeah. Like, Am I the only person who thinks Sasuke is a criminal? And Sakura punched him. I was like, no, this is the one time I say you got to punch her back. I'm sorry. I, you got to be like Yusuke from Yu Hakusho. That man said he don't care if you're old or baby, he will punch you. And that's what Sai should have done because how dare Sakura punch him? What for? For what? What did he say that was not true? Yeah, okay. So, I mean, tell them what happens in Arc. And I'm going to tell you what my main okay. problem with Naruto is. And not Naruto, like, sure. the person. It's Naruto, the show. Sure. So, the whole thing is that they get this um, tidbit of information from Lady Sanadi. And they go with their new um, lead who is Yamato, who's an Anbu, which is like their black ops. And, you know, we learn a little bit more about the politics there um, with Danzo, who's like the leader of the Anbu, who seems to try to be trying to like stir up a coup and the elders and Lady Sinati trying to deal with that. And, you know, um, we see that uh, they're going to this bridge to basically get information from a spy who has information on the Aratsuki, or Akatsuki, Akatsuki, sorry. Uh, and then they find out it's Kabuto, from like original Naruto uh, and it's a trap with Orochimaru's there and so they and this whole time Sai and Naruto and Sakura are fighting like cats and dogs because how dare Sai say the truth about Sasuke you know how those two dick writers are it is what it is and so Sai we find out has another mission from Danzo he's supposed to kill Sasuke because he's supposed to be Sasuke is being, basically being trained to be Orochimaru's news vessel. So they're like, uh, we don't want that man to win. So like, kill Sasuke. So Sai goes and then we find, we get some more hints about Sai's life. And Sai's basically like been trained since a baby to like be a murderer. Yeah. And him and his brother basically were basically murdering their way to, to murdering each other. And so Sai has no idea of like human emotions. Like he literally, everything he knows about human emotions, he reads from a book. Like he's a blank, he's like a robot at this point, okay? And so he is trying to fulfill his mission. But of course, Naruto is so inspiring, you know, so inspirational that he, that Sai feels now by the end of the arc that he's not, he, he, like he has a chance to kill Sai, I mean, I'm not going to, he didn't actually have a chance to, to kill Sasuke. Sasuke's way above the rest of them, right, at this point. But, you know, he was going to strike and he should have done his job, but he didn't. He's like, I'm thinking for myself. I'm going to do what I want. And I'm going to, I'm going to try to maintain this bond between Sasuke and Naruto because it's important. And then Sasuke, Sasuke was about to murder all of them. If Orochimaru didn't come, Sasuke was going to murk every single person there without blinking. Like, that man is hardcore. A lot of ladies love his outfit because it's chested out, but also I'm like, he's like 17, 15, 16, something like that. I, I just can't do it. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, also, he's still an emo, whiny bitch. So, hey. But a uh, Kabuto, Orochimaru, and Sasuke have like a really actually kind of badass moment at the top there where they look down at the three of them and then they kind of disappear with the fire. It was kind of cool. Uh, and also, like, in this arc, we learn that, you know, 
Naruto kind of loses control where the 90s takes over and he's like basically a raging beast at that point and is just really really powerful almost actually mercs Orochimaru which is kind of crazy and you know Naruto has to learn to find his inner strength and not rely on the Ninetales because it's going to cause him to go out of control and that's actually the reason that Yamato was there because Yamato was also like created by Danzo and so he has like cells or blood or some shit like that from like one of the original Kazikazi no um hokages and so he actually has this ability to sort of sort of not completely control the, the, the nine tails but like lock it up so that naruto can get himself under control so we're dealing with like a lot of different things um yeah so how did you feel about the art you know what my whole thing is and this is my old problem with naruto in general is that I just literally do not give two single fucks about them trying to save Sasuke or whatever because I they every time they're like he's my best friend I'm like did you guys oh even God, have yeah. a conversation together like I just I can't buy it like I'm not I'm sorry guys I'm not I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. Like, literally, even the last few episodes of the last arc when they're, when Naruto's like, yes. I'm going to do everything in my power to save him because he's the only one who knows me and he's my best friend. And then somebody was like, oh, I forgot who, but somebody said, oh, you know, Sasuke was just, was so nice to Naruto and so accepting. And I was like, what the when? fuck? Did I watch yeah. a different version of Naruto? Because that did not happen. Right. Honestly, I was complaining about this today to somebody and I was like, listen, I understand going to the depths of the earth for your best friend. That's an anime trope. It is what it is. But, but these two were not said, best friends. They didn't. And if you look at Naruto, best friends. If you look at Naruto, what did we get? We got the first their their first mission at, so basically we got them becoming part of Team Kakashi where they fought all the time. We got them on the bridge where they fought all the time. Then we got them at the um, tuning um, exam where they also kind of fought and then Sasuke tried to kill him. So I'm kind of confused as to when they became best friends. And every single time Naruto said it, I'm like, Naruto, you were literally, based on what I've seen in Naruto, you are closer to Kiba. You are closer to Shikamaru. You are closer to Choji. You are closer to Neji. You are closer to Lee. You are closer to every single well, member. He of is closer team. to me than he is to Sasuke <laughs> at this point. Like it's ridiculous. It's what's it's like those it's like those those love stories that they try to convince you. Oh, this is that epic love and that like all right. these people like they're doing this much all of that for them. And I'm just like, um. No, I'm sorry. It's just not working for me. And so anytime they, they start talking about, oh, we must save Sasuke, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like, bring on everybody else. Like, I literally do not care. Also, when Sakura was like, oh, if, you know, I'll do anything to protect Sasuke from Sai, no matter what. I'm like, are you going to murder Sai? Yes. Sasuke? Yes. What the fuck? <laughs> Like, even Naruto didn't go that far, okay? And then, oh my god. I don't mean to be a, a Sakura hater, but Sakura deserves to be hated because I feel like shame should have drove her to be a better person. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When they were getting beat the hell up by, Sas by Sasuke, in to the point where Sasuke went into Naruto's dream space or his mind and actually got rid of the Ninetale Beast, like, he almost killed the Ninetale Beast right inside of his body and didn't even, like, stop stabbing Yamato at the time. Like, Sasuke is, 
he's actually kind of overpowered at this point. Like, if I'm going to be honest, because he, I, I don't see anybody beating him. But anyways, when Sakura was like, okay, it's up to me. I have to fight. And then she went to, to like charge at him. And then Yamato had to save her and then got stabbed. And then Sasuke was stabbing Yamato and she was standing there the whole time, literally within arm's grasp of Yamato. But she did not do a single thing. I was like, why is she here? Like, my, like, why is she actually here at this point? Bring Hinata, bring Tenten, bring Ino. At least they know how to do their job and protect their comrades. This bitch don't know how to do a single fucking thing outside of being wet all the time for Sasuke. I don't understand it. He don't want you. Like, I think that's my major problem with this. I don't like simping over men. I don't, I don't like it. I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't, I, like, I don't like it at all. Uh, and so, especially over men who don't want you. And Sasuke don't want her. I think, like, that is my main problem, like, with her and Naruto, is that they are so deep in the sauce, and they keep telling us that they're close and they're best friends and they're going to do what it takes. But I have not seen anything that has justified that. I have seen more friendship with other people and even with their other teams like the 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 chika shino ino team and like the 1010 team like those are actual groups of people who like each other and who work hard together and they actually are friends team seven or team kakashi first of all what the fuck has kakashi taught any of them <laughs> Come on, I, be I, not- <laughs> I- anything He's hot, and that's he, all that counts. Like, I, it's really funny because I like I thought about it when I was watching this arc. I'm like, wait, when I was re- refreshing it, right? And um, Jiraiya went to Kakashi at the end to tell him everything that happened. I'm like, wait a minute, has Kakashi even trained these? Like, he trained Sasuke a little bit, but has he actually trained them and been a mentor to this group? Because last I checked, he took them on one mission. They went to the tuning exams that happened, and Aruka seemed more worried about Naruto than Kakashi was, and then. Kakashi went away, and then Naruto went away with Jiraiya, and then Sakura got trained by Sanadi, and Sasuke left town, and now they have Yamato as their leader. So I'm like, what has Kakashi, like, he has not mentored these kids. He has not taught these, it doesn't seem like he's taught these kids anything. It seems that other people keep teaching his team. It's kind of (laughs) crazy. So... But anyways, we are still watching Naruto. We're still getting through it. And it looks like the next couple of arcs are like filler and then regular, filler and then regular. So um, I kind of already know what's going to happen in the next real arc, not the filler. Um, The next two, actually. So I think basically shit gets real. So got to prepare for that. Yes. But yeah, I mean, I, I will be honest. When I started watching Naruto Shippenden, for the first time, like, before, my first thought was, oh, Sasuke and Sakura are in this. Because I had been so used to them not being in the episodes that them being in the episodes again and actually being active was kind of weird. Um, and I still prefer all the other t- kids to them. I just... I miss Hinata. Yeah. I miss Hanata. I miss Shikamaru. I miss Ino. I miss Kiba and Neji. I just and Rock Lee. I miss Rock Lee so much. I just I actually was gonna rewatch his fight with Gara um, the other day because I missed him so much. I'm just like I just cannot gel with these lead characters. I just don't. 
I'm not feeling them. Like Naruto, I can get behind. But the other two is just like one's a whiny bitch and one's a girl who never had a hard day in her life who <laughs> decided that she wanted to be a bitch. Like think about like if you think about it, she's not she's actually like from what I read, Sakura's a civilian. She's not from like a, a big clan. Um, so she's like Hermione in that sense, you know, because Hermione was from a muggle family. And so like when I actually made that connection, I was like, that makes sense because Hermione was also fucking annoying for almost all of harry potter to me so that makes sense <laughs> but uh i just like i feel like she does she hasn't had any hardship in her life that's why she keeps making these poor decisions uh and it looks like everybody else loses people but she kind of continues along the same so she never actually learns anything i don't know we'll see how that goes uh yeah we're gonna watch the next two arcs i guess of naruto and we'll let you know if we still hate people and we still are angry about the Sasuke dick writing. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I will be really quick. I actually did watch something else. I watched something called Goku Midnight Eye, mostly because um, I think all of the choices on 2B TV are fascinating in that they're fascinatingly bad. Uh, so I decided, I was like, I'm going to watch this because it looks really bad, but it might be interesting. So uh, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> it's a manga, a manga series about a detective named Goku Furinji uh, who gains a cybernetic eye implant that can control any computer system, computer system on the planet. And so it has like only two episodes on um, Tubi. So I'm only going to talk about those two episodes. And basically what happens is like all these detectives are like murdering themselves. And so he's a former detective. He became a private eye. And so he uh, is like trying to figure out who's killing his old his friends, basically, because they were people he worked with. And him and this one girl, I can't remember her name. I mean, it really honestly doesn't matter to know any of the women's names on this. And so he is working with her to, you know, take care of her, make sure she doesn't die. And then um, he finds out that the bad guy is like this really creepy dude who like has these two women who like hypnotize men. These, these um, investigators by taking their shirts off and getting peacocks like with eyes on them. And basically they've been uh, brainwashing the um, detectives into killing themselves because you know you, like, you can't go after a murder if they're killing themselves. I mean, that part was kind of brilliant, not gonna lie. And so, you know, he is about to be brainwashed by the woman in her panties, who's always in her panties, mind you. Um, and the peacock feathers behind him, behind her, sorry. And so he stabs himself in the left eye to stop looking at her. And uh, some thing speaks to him in his brain. Mm -hmm. I want to say God. I don't know what it is, but something speaks to him in his brain and this implants this new eye, which is what connects him to all the computers. And mind you guys, this is from like the 80s. So this is the 80s idea of what a computer is and what it does, okay? And so, uh, and it think about it with the aesthetics of Gem and the Holograms, because that's basically the aesthetics that we're talking about here. And so he uses his computer, his eye of God, as he calls it, to like sa save the day. She dies, of course, because, you know, after trying to seduce him topless. Let me tell you, I have never seen so many titties in my entire life, like just watching these two episodes, because I feel like every woman was shirtless for no goddamn reason. It was weird. And so he saves the day, but he, all the women, all his friends are dead. So I was like, okay. 
So that happens. Episode two, he is hired by this woman. He goes to help her. She's like, oh, my brother has been using an experiment. Now he's all like, he's a cyber. He's like an android, like, you know, the androids from Dragon Ball or some shit. And so, you know, we have to save him because the guy who took us in after our parents died, you know, he keeps trying to like, come on to me. My brother's not here to save me because he's on the run because he's their experiment and they're trying to put him down only to find out only to find out that he was create the the quote-unquote brother was actually like literally created in a test tube and they're not <laughs> siblings they literally implanted those memories into him to make him think that was his sister but really they used her eggs so that's his mom but because he was genetically created and like that's you know, like it was very confusing. I don't know. All I know is she died, he died, the bad guy died, everybody died except for Goku. And Goku's always at the end of these episodes, just like, what the fuck? <laughs> I need a drink. Like, he's like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. I don't even know what to say anymore. Let me just go get a drink and forget about my life. I'm not helping nobody anymore because all you people are crazy. And so that was the end of it. It was very weird. Um, I can see why men like it mm -hmm. because of the aesthetics, but also this man, like if you see his outfit, literally he, it's like very Miami Vice of him. He wears like a suit jacket with a tie and no shirt under it. Like that's literally his outfit. I'm like, why are you walking around like that? Like, aren't you worried about getting stabbed or something? I don't know. It was very strange, but it was, I like the look of it. I do like that eighties and like animation look of it. Uh, I like the voice acting. I thought they were they did a really good job. I thought it was really creative. Um, it's just the stories did nothing because how could they do anything? I don't know. It was just stupid. But anyways, I would give it. I don't know, I'd give it a five out of ten. It wasn't the worst thing I've watched on Tubi, but it was clearly not a good anime. So yeah, that's it for Goku Midnight. Ah, uh, what about you? Did you watch any nope. anime? Read any mangas? Nope man was nope. okay all right so let's go to dramas uh how do you want to do this what do you mean i don't do have any drama to talk about so i know do you want to start with she was pretty or do the real has come or I mean, do weightlifting fairy Kimbo oh my Girl, god i like... forgot we're watching with the fairy human gym together <laughs> um i mean yeah yeah let's do it in that order so she was pretty it's terrible oh my god it was the worst thing i've ever no <laughs> it's not I the mean, worst thing it's i mean not, it's i had to think about that <laughs> <laughs> i did have to think about that because i was like wait a minute we did watch goong as well uh, and i did watch boys over flowers so it probably wasn't the worst thing i watched but it was up there as one of the worst <laughs> dramas that were was ever written it was so terrible basically this bitch was walking around looking like a clown for no reason and then decided to look pretty for no reason and then her pretty actually was really ugly like mm -hmm. when she fixed herself quote-unquote she looked terrible like terrible they had no chemistry this man was bipolar because he had like five different personalities depending on the day and the season and when he was at his jerkiest he never apologized so what was the purpose what was the point i don't know it was basically like, oh, we were friends and I was in love with you as a as when we were kids. And now I, you know, you're my love or some shit like that. Um, and then even Shiwan's character got worse as the drama progressed. Oh my god, he got so much worse. Yeah. 
and the friend like we actually never saw any resolution with her and her dad who slapped her that one time so nope. it was dumb yeah it was a dumb drama guys like out of 10 honestly i would give it like a three i think it was really bad the only thing that was like memorable was probably the soundtrack and even that was not like i don't even know what you're talking about because i don't know what part of that was memorable but okay I well, genuinely cannot remember. The, I genuinely can't remember anything. Hmm. Sisters. Um. So you had a song on it that I remember. And um. Oh, Parkinson. So Soju had a song in it, which makes sense because you know he's in the drama. Um. But yeah, I mean, bad guys. Don't watch it. It's bad. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Uh. So. <laughs> I mean, I guess we can just do something. Do really quick, like weightlifting. Fairy Kim Bukju, just because. Oh yeah, because it's only two episodes. episodes. Next, finally watching one of my top ten dramas, guys. I'm so excited. Um, so we're me, her, Nikki, and one of uh, the girls from our book club. The four of us are watching it, and it's not in the girls' first time watching it. And so Nikki and I are very much influencing everything about this experience <laughs> for them. They are. They really are. Uh, but the synopsis, Kim Bokju, a young woman chasing her dream of weightlifting on an athletics college campus, develops a crush on her friend, Jung Joonhyung's older brother, Jung Jae-yi. At first, Joonhyung teases her and goes along with her act, even helping her, but soon finds himself falling in love with her. This series is a coming-of-age story about a group of college athletes who are fighting for their dreams, experiencing and finding love in the process, and growing every step of the way. Actually, that's a really nice um, synopsis. Mm-hmm. Though, it's really funny because I, I mean, it does give you a bit of um, a spoiler with the fact that she's actually into his brother first, but you know, it's fine. Uh, so yeah, I mean, so, but, I mean, that's basically I don't the think point. It's a spoiler though, because it is like a part of the story, and it happens right away. It's not like it's like you know. What I'm oh, the brother is is the bro- so the brother is the um, second male lead. Oh, yeah. Okay, officially. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought he was. I thought he was gonna come and then like leave. I thought I didn't. I think there, I thought there was gonna be another second male lead. That's no, 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 the okay. doctor. But I, is it? You're gonna see because it's not really even like he is a second male lead. I mean, he is right, but he isn't. It's hard okay. to explain. Okay, fair. Uh, so it's a coming of age sports drama inspired by the life of Olympic gold medalist Jang Milan, which is pretty cool. And we did watch the first two episodes, and they were cute. I'm not gonna lie. So we're seeing a lot of their, their daily life at the dorms and like mm-hmm. the rivalry between the female wrestlers uh, and the uh, <laughs> rhythmic gymnastics. <laughs> um, and honestly, I'm laughing because why did that start laughing like that? <laughs> I'm sorry. You could not. Like, I, I feel like they're trying to make us see it as a real sport. And I, I mean, no shade. I mean, no actual shade to the women. But the women in this drama who are doing it are not doing it any favors. I'm just saying. Uh, so, especially since they're bitches. They're, they're just not giving. They're not doing anything to help the sport of rhythmic <laughs> gymnastics. So, like, you know, I'm sorry. But anyways, it is a cute drama. The female lead and the male lead already have pretty good chemistry. Unfortunately, they were childhood friends. But, you know, we're working past it. <laughs> okay, but in this case, right, they 
it makes sense for the story. It's not like it just popped up out of like they tell you off the bat from episode one that they were elementary school friends. They weren't childhood right. sweethearts though, but they were elementary school friends. Right. I mean, and she was like the right. only guy. She was the only one that was nice to him. Mm, of course. So, I mean, they have the chemistry. There's nothing really problematic about yeah, them. Yeah, because so far. they was blowing each other's backs out. While they were filming, yes, the actors were dating. And it's very, it comes across very well on screen. Also, Nam Ji Hyuk, you know, worked out. He worked out. You know, he, he realized that he would be <laughs> in his current list for most of this drama. So, he definitely, you know, showed, showed himself... He's also in startup. I was like, I know him from somewhere else. He was yeah, but you ignored him completely in startup because yeah, but yeah, I like him male lead, yeah, syndrome. And you know what? I I would have it again. I'm sorry. Like his character in that drama was stupid. Uh, but <laughs> actually, he's in two dramas that I dropped because I also dropped the Bride of Haybuck. Yeah, wow. I'm but I told you. Remember when we started it? Yeah. I said to you. He is only as good as his female lead is. And that's just mm. it. That's just it. I don't care what anyone wants to say. And I've, 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 I've seen that in his work. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because Shim Se-hyung from Bride of Habak. I, I mean, I don't really I can't remember anything else. There's very rare things that I've enjoyed with her, to be honest. Yeah, and Susie was the female lead in Startup, and I know Susie's not, I, know, I can't even remember anything from Susie that I've watched faithfully or <laughs> really liked, so. Anyways, anyways so far, anyways. so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's cute, guys. It is actually really, at the, really at cute. At this point in the story, she has fallen in love at first sight with his brother because Yes, you know, he was a nice guy. He's a nice guy, so he's and he saw her as a woman, which yeah, is something that she's not used to because she's a woman to her. Woman, yeah, because she's a formal wrestler. So like, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, we're gonna continue to watch it, and we'll let you know how it goes. I mean, Nikki's already watched it, so her and uh, and, and other Nikki are just like, you guys will like it or else. <laughs> and so, um, gun to my head, you know, I like it. But I, I actually am enjoying it. They're cute. Chemistry is there. The writing is there. It feels really fresh. So we'll see how that goes. Anyways, to the real has come. Oh my god, guys! So we were, we were like, I, we were like, oh, when was the last time we talked about it so that we could figure out when we talked about it for you guys? So you know, and we were like, oh shit, the last time we talked about it was when we dropped the when. Um, Yeondu dropped the bomb at the wedding saying, oh, you know, don't get, how can you get married when I'm pregnant with your baby? And we're like, so much has gone down since then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she went to the wedding to stop it, you know, because she wanted her mother to come home and her mom was being a total annoying you know, her mom was being her mom, basically. And so she went and interrupted this wedding. She grabbed him. They left. And uh, Sejin was just like, what the fuck just happened? And then she had her little moment at her wedding, you know, where she was embarrassed completely and crying and, you know, whatever. It's fine. 
And so they get scolded, of course, by their families. And well, more so his family than hers. Her family's excited. They're like, oh my God, you're gonna get married. You're gonna have a baby for this man. Yeah. And so they, um, the mothers get together and kind of try to force them to get married because they're obviously saying that they're in love and they're gonna have this baby and they're gonna get married. And that's why he couldn't marry Sejin. <laughs> and so they the moms literally bring them to the marriage like office and they try to do everything they can to not sign that <laughs> marriage contract <laughs> like everything and the guy behind the desk is like uh no you can just do that online or whatever it's fine like it's not a big deal and they keep coming up with excuses and he's like no it's fine you guys just sign whatever but they do finagle it in a way where they actually haven't officially signed to be married but they are living together as a married couple in um the annex of the house and so basically now we're seeing the second kind of major story of this, which is her them living in the house while the grandmother is being a total annoying whatever, um, who literally calls um, Yondu the thing in the annex. Yeah, literally. like, oh my God. And what a nice to fight her all the time. old thin bat. Like... Literally tries to fight her. A pregnant woman all the time. And so uh, we see like the family dynamic open up a little bit more and we see how like Yondu and Taekyung, they're trying to like navigate each other and her pregnancy at the same time, at the same time that they're like, she's kind of oblivious to her feelings for him. I think he kind of has an idea, but he's trying to like shut it out. So we're seeing that kind of dynamic happen. Yeah, like at this point in the story, he's very much aware that that's what's happening. Man is Mm. going through it, guys. He's in deep. He's in deep. He's in deep. And he knows it. Um, He literally is having like pregnancy symptoms. Like that's how in (laughs) tune with her that he is right now. Like he's experiencing it. I actually really like some of like the slice of life stuff like when mm-hmm. he goes he goes to the convenience store and he talks to the convenience store guy about you know mm-hmm. and the convenience guy's like oh your 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 wife's pregnant or whatever right he's like oh how did you know he's like yeah my wife you know craved all these kind of things and like when she couldn't eat any any tukbuki and he bought every single tukbuki in the convenience store and they sat like at midnight literally he sat there with her while she was trying all of them like i just like the slice of life stuff that we're seeing from them um once again, what this drama excels at is obviously the acting and the chemistry, but the fact that all of these minor these these problems get resolved within two episodes is it's like so chef's kiss. Good. Chef's kiss, guys. So like every single problem that they've had to kind of come across, like with them like him joining the group chat and being annoyed and like mm-hmm. um her the the older sister getting pregnant and like um it or in her divorce trying to get a divorce being leaked and like them thinking yondu did it even though it was the other sister like all this stuff gets resolved which is amazing so talking about sejin sejin honestly i don't like the bitch but i respect the bitch so i can't stand her but you gotta give this lady props like Mm -hmm. there is a finesse to being that diabolical so she is like giving up on everything and she's gonna go to america but then, of course, she cleverly starts to get, like, signs that something's not right with this marriage. So she's like, listen, 
I'm gonna stay here because I still want to get in this family. I don't like this man, or I mean, I pretend I don't want this man, even though I, I think deep down she kind of loves him. But like, I really just want to be in this family so that my social standing goes up again. So I'm gonna stay here. So she kind of blackmails her parents into getting a divorce so that she can use that as an excuse for her to stay. And then the, the dad gives her back a job and, or tries to give her back her job. And obviously the grandma's like 100% in with this because grandma's a diabolical bitch. And so, but Yondu is, you know, she's that girl too. She's like, mm, I don't really want you to work for my family's company. Like that's kind of awkward, right? You know, and so <laughs> she gets her way. But let me tell you about Sejin because Sejin is always on, she is always thinking and plotting and scheming. So. Yondu is looking for a job because, you know, they have the whole three-month pack. And so she's going to work. She wants to work at the school that um, Sejin's father runs that her mom goes to. And so she interviews with him. And she's feeling kind of dizzy because she has anemia because of the pregnancy. And so these two um, scooter guys were coming on the street. They... <laughs> They almost crashed into her. It was really silly scene, guys. Like, let's be real. But they almost crashed into her. The dad saves her, hurting his arm. And Sejin was going to meet her she told um yandu that her mom was going to go to apologize but she was going to show up and try to get her to let her have her job back so she shows up and the dad's like oh my god let's take her to the hospital she's she's unconscious and Sajin's like no i'll take her it's gonna be faster if i take her in my car and so she takes her to the hospital and she's all there and she's all like i saved her i did it i saved your wife i saved your baby and she kind of guilts um Yondu into like accepting her so she goes she could go back to work in the company but she also uses it to blackmail not blackmail but sort of like guilt uh take young to go out with her like for like drinks and and lunch and stuff like that he thinks it's like all like you know I'm just doing it because you saved us and like you saved my my baby and my wife kind of thing and she's using it to kind of get her claws back into this man and I mean I gotta respect it because if I was Sejin and I had seen this woman on the floor, I would have called the ambulance. <laughs> or maybe not. I mean, I feel like Sejin also had a moment where she's like, maybe I should just let her stay here. But, you oh, know. She, I mean, yeah, she yeah, did. Yeah. yeah, but Sejin was smarter than all of us, I guess, because she said, let me take her in my car. And no, and nobody will know that my dad was there and that he was the one who saved her. It'll be me who saved her. And I can use that to get back into their good graces. So she's doing that. And we have found out, okay, the only downside to this drama is some of the side stories. So <laughs> Zanyu's brother and Taekyung's, you know, um, adopted sister is the youngest one. The one who got, who had so many pregnancy scares that they don't even bother her anymore. Um, that one, they have this whole story going on where, because the actor who plays her ex-boyfriend, Jay, is also playing him. So, like, he has this whole doppelganger thing and she, like, keeps going to him because he looks like her ex and she misses him or whatever. So that's going on. Honestly, I, I can't really care. tell you what's happening. I literally don't because care. I, I don't just it out. Them. Like right, I took it out. she eventually like tells him that oh the reason why I'm like around you so much is because you look like Jay and then she's like he's like oh you're stalking me you're in love with me and then he goes on an interview and bombs the interview because she showed him that he looked I was just like this is so stupid 
Like yeah, he thinks he's a doppelganger and it freaks him out or something. That's literally the story, guys. It's yeah. not important. And so we have the older sister as well, who is actually like a great a like she's an just a <laughs> nasty person. Literally, anytime somebody tries to be nice to her, she's so mean. She's and rude so to them. disgusting. She's yeah. such a I don't bitch. like her at all. I don't and so like she's her pregnant. At all. And so they're she's gonna pregnant with this miracle ass baby that got conceived right. in one day. <laughs> yeah basically we don't talk about time frames because they don't make sense but she's pregnant yes with her husband who she was trying to divorce his and so they've decided they're going to co-parent like the mature adult thing that some koreans are doing now where like we just need to have a baby so but we're going to live our own separate lives which is hard because he lives in the house with her and they share the same bed but okay whatever so he's all excited though because he wanted to have a baby from time so he thinks this is like you know, he wants to take care of her and be like the doting father. And she's all like, Ugh, I don't like when people try to take care of me. I don't like it at all. But we've also been introduced to like a love triangle with them because he, her ex uh, is back. I don't know if he's like, they actually dated. Yeah, we, really, like yeah, we can't yeah. even tell if it's like an actual like ex situation or if he yeah, just but likes he's, her or whatever, but he's back. Right. And and like that's causing some problems not from her she doesn't seem like she's into him at all but he definitely you can tell is really into her and the husband can tell that he's really into her so that's like basically going to be the trauma there and then the middle sibling which is the son um him and his oh, wife I, you know, wait, the ones why did i think see. why did i think that the brother was older and then that sister was the third one I thought it was she was the oldest because she I I like she comes across as a very like an older sister and like her independence seems like it makes her seem like she's a very like the oldest sibling. Mm. And also I mean, too I, she like I generally yeah. don't care, but I just thought <laughs> for some reason. But anyways, the middle one. Yes. So the son, um, he is uh him and his wife, obviously, you know, we know they're the only ones in this family who cannot conceive because everybody is getting pregnant here. And uh, they went to a shaman where they met with Yondu's uncle. And now, allegedly, according to the shaman, they're three, they're all connected because she's going to be pregnant from both of them. Like, both of yeah, them are going to be fathers of her baby. Weird. So we don't know what that means or what is even going on at this point. But yeah, that's a triangle that they're building up. So basically, like, um, some weird lady kept saying, like, his son or his child is coming or something like that. And so he has been, like, calling up exes and, like, trying to figure out. Because he's like, do I have a kid out there, like, that I don't know about? But it also looks like he also has his own story with that woman with the kid. His ex who works at their restaurant now, who runs the pharmacy and also works part-time. Because she has a son. Yes. So... I don't know. There's a lot of kids in this, okay? <laughs> a lot of actual potential kids or actual kids. There's a lot, everybody, everybody got a kid in this, okay? And so, yeah, actually, every single story has to do with a child. Yes. So, yes, that's what's going on so far. Sad news, guys. So, Hong Yosub, who is the father um, and had the best chemistry with the mom... Uh, and the is kids. no longer in the drama and the kids like he was so good like he was so good at everything yeah um honestly one of my favorite on-screen fathers and he is no longer in the drama due to health issues so six, episode 16 was his last episode and they gave him like this really cute but kind they're of like, awkward send off yeah because they're like oh good luck on your business trip oh we're gonna miss you for this week oh father you're so perfect i was like 
you guys are it's cute but also like right in terms of the story like how logical is it you know right because he was he's been on business trips before and he did not get this send off it was very strange uh and then we so we have a new actor um sun woo jay duck who's gonna be taking over honestly we're only on like episode what like 18 or something so i mean we're we haven't really gotten much of him so far to see how that dynamic i mean he's is just work. been fine he's just been saying you know yeah, he's okay go to his go lines to, go to couples therapy or go to couples yoga uh pay attention in class like it's right right exactly but we're still enjoying the drama still excited to see what happens i mean it's a 50 episode drama guys so we're still in the thick of it because we're not even i think anything was it episode, has episode like, 20 even aired yet yeah we're on so we're on okay. episode 18 um 20 oh. we're on episode 18 so 20 um uh 19 20 and 21 uh 19 20 and 21 are out i think or 19 and 20 oh, okay. are out so okay perfect so we're almost at the halfway mark this drama does not end until september so we are we're we're gonna hold on and this is his has all actually been like a really good experience i love this drama so much so i do too oh oh and Jenha. Jenha's coming back Jenha's coming back i totally forgot so oh, yeah. um he's gonna be hired by the company so we're gonna see him connect again with Sejin, who remember he cheated on Yondu with Sejin. Sejin is and literally Sejin the cause of her own fucking problems. And then she also just found out that like um that uh Yondu has some kind of guy that was messaging her up like that too. So that's a right because she her phone. Exactly. So yeah, we're we're definitely gonna get more of this square as we come along and um from what i've seen on like twitter on the tags and stuff like that when i like when i go into the tags i try not to see spoilers but i have seen some things oh, I so have i think the, they're gonna i don't want to hear anything okay okay never mind never mind i'm excited to see how things turn out though because i mean i don't really know anything from a gif so i haven't, I'm just really I haven't looked at any i haven't like looked in the tags or anything because i want to be caught up yeah. before i do that because i don't you know yeah, fair enough. Okay, but yeah, so that is The Real Has Come. And let us get into books. Uh, so we read American Street together. Well, but we, I also see we, read, read other books. we also read We Hunt the Flame, which we didn't talk about either. Oh, you're right. Oh my God, it's been so long, guys. Um, do I even remember what he, We Hunt the Flame? Yeah, I, I do remember actually what it's about. Because I actually enjoyed that one. Okay, so I will talk about We Hunt the Flame, which was our April book. Mm-hmm. And it's by Hafsa Faisal. And the synopsis, according to Goodreads, is Zafira is the hunter, disguising herself as a man when she braves the cursed forest of the Ars to feed her people. Nasir is the prince of death, assassinating those foolish enough to defy his autocratic father, the Sultan. If Zafira was exposed as a girl, all her achievements would be rejected. If Nasir displayed his compassion, his father would punish him in the most brutal ways. Uh, both Zafira and Nasir are legends of the kingdom of Ariwa, but neither want to be. War is brewing, and the Ars sweeps closer with each passing day, engulfing the land in shadow. When Zafira embarks on a quest to uncover a lost artifact that can restore magic to her suffering world and stop the Ars, Nasir is sent by the Sultan on a similar mission, retrieve the artifact and kill the hunter. But an ancient evil stirs as their journey unfolds, and the prize they seek may pose a greater, sorry, a threat greater than either can imagine. All right, so how did you feel about We Hunt the Flame? 
Oh my god, it's been so long since I've read it. I genuinely don't even remember. Like, I I thought it was okay. Like, I thought it was an okay book. I wasn't, like, in love with it. But I do remember once I finished that I wanted to read the, um, the sequel. sequel because... Okay, well, I'm on Goodreads. Uh-huh. So yours, not yours. Yours was although this was slow to get into, and I don't think it was bad at all. For as much as the author does right, she also does poorly. I will probably read the second book. Uh, and see, so look at that nice. <laughs> so for me, I wrote. I gave it four stars, but I said it's also it's actually more of a three star. But um, I know this place is racist, so I rated up a star. The novel was a bit drawn out and could have been shorter, but overall it was a strong debut with a rich and fascinating world. And yeah, so what I remember is it was very dense to get into. So we yes. both read it together. At like, at like um, 1 a.m. <laughs> right. And it was a lot of words to get through. Uh, I don't think she needed it to be that dense, to, especially since not a lot happened. Like, she hunted... She went on this also, journey. Also, I do remember as well that, like, I didn't quite understand the logic. Be- like, them talking about how she pretended to be a man. Like, it. I remember that not making sense because, like, there was really no need for her to pretend to be a guy. Well, I think there was in her area because it was a very misogynistic one yes, like women but don't I work. there's no need for them to, to pretend like in this in the book like in the synopsis they're like oh she has to oh, yeah, yeah. do hide herself doing this or whatever but then it was like as soon as they like because they spent a majority of the book on that island or whatever right and as soon as she right. got on the fucking island she as soon as she got on the boat she revealed herself so it was she like did. So what did the book get right? Okay, so first of all, her and her best friend are in love with each other. Yes, they're um, And that was, like, the, tr- the truest romance in this novel, okay? Like, you could tell that her best friend's husband and Nasira were both just, like, their seconds. But they were the real ro- romance. And the book, li- like, it gave a lot of hints. A lot of hints to what was going on. Also, why did her... And- so her and her best friend and her brother... Her best friend's brother were, like, really tight. And the best friend's brother and her had moments of romance. But then he got murdered literally as soon as they got to the <laughs> island. It was really, <laughs> Like, he blinked and he, that man was murdered. <laughs> he, never, he, never, he never liked her, though. Like, he never... Um, she never liked him. Like, she, was, right. she never liked him. So she's in love with Nasir... I kind of got it, but I kind of didn't. It was very convoluted. Very um, convoluted. Nasir, also Nasir and his travel compartment, com- like partner, were also like felt like couples, <laughs> like a real good couple until we realized the truth of him, and they were like, "Oh, that's why they had that chemistry." Because it turns out that that was his half brother. We were like, but for most of the book, I was like, "Oh, are they together? Like, is this a?" gonna be a couple like a thing and then it was like oh no no joking lol that's his half brother i was like oh so incest all right <laughs> because not gonna lie he had more sexual chemistry with that dude than he did with with uh Zephira. like i'm gonna be real but i was just like you know what i don't know what's going on and even though this book was really rich I felt like the things that she should have expanded on, like the actual world and how things have, like, like when she was touching on like the slavery in that one place that Nasir was in, and like the revolutionary thoughts and all that kind of stuff. I thought like I would have loved to know more about that instead of like 
her describing like over explaining the island and and the shadows and all the shit that was going on and then that final fight scene i could not follow the final fight scene i'm sorry i just i got so confused reading it because there was so much happening from so many different angles and i just could not follow what was going on um i don't even know if they won i can't even remember actually at this point (laughs) but anyways i rated it a three you rated it a three that was our april book and so may our May book was called is called um, American Street, and it's by E.B. Zoboy. And the synopsis, according to Goodreads, is the rock in the water does not know the pain of the rock in the sun. On the corner of American Street and Joy Road, Fabiola Toussaint thought she would finally find Uni Un Bellevue, Un Bellevue, a good life. But after they leave Port-au-Prince, Haiti, Fabiola's mother is detained by U.S. immigration, leaving Fabiola to navigate her loud American cousins, Chantel, Donna, and Princess, the grittiness of Detroit's West Side, a new school, and a surprising romance all on her own. Just as she finds her footing in the strange new world, a dangerous proposition presents itself, and Fabiola soon realizes that freedom comes at a cost. Trapped at the crossroads of an impossible choice, will she pay the price for the American dream? So how did you feel about American Street? Oh, the book that was written to incite a diaspora war? (laughs) Literally, guys, like I didn't like the book. I thought that Fabiola was annoying. And I thought that the way that the writer had written Black Americans and Black American culture was very disrespectful. So, yeah, I do think she wanted to incite a diaspora war at that point because I I felt it was justified. Yeah, like and the, so for me, the thing, the only thing that the book did um, well or like decent enough was the um, like the certain like in the beginning when she was talking about like the um, immigration and stuff like that. I thought that Access? was like, okay. I thought that yeah. was like natural and felt authentic, but then everything else just felt like a you know fuck black people. I don't know. It was weird. And Fabiola was annoying. She, I, when I found out that the author actually didn't even, was it even, I I shouldn't even say that, but she lived in Haiti until she was four and then she moved to the States. And I'm like, why are you trying to write this Haitian girl, like this story of an Asian girl who spent like basically 15 years of her life in Haiti? Like, you don't know that. You don't know that experience as a as your as the type of Asian that you are, you know, you did not live in Haiti for fourteen years, and so I'm like, that's why Chantal felt like the only character who felt like a decent person was because Chantal was written from her perspective, right? And mm-hmm. then Kasim, or sorry, is that was his name? Fuck. Yeah, Kasim. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. Nasim and then Kasim, right? Nasir. <laughs> Whatever. Nasir and they yeah, too close. Too close. But anyways, um what was I saying? Kasim. Yeah, Kasim literally only existed like Kasim's story was a Trayvon Martin type story. I don't know. It was so fucking weird. Such a fucking weird ass book. But I think I how much did I rate it? I definitely I think I rated it like You gave me three stars. Yes, because you we, don't, stars, yeah. we don't rate black people below. <laughs> right, right, right. In my review, I actually wrote, like, this is this book is actually a 
but I know how racist this place is, so I gave it a four star. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I definitely agree. I didn't like it. I thought that Kasim was a footnote to her mother. And she was, I think Fabulous' problem is that she was so judgmental. She was like always trying to tell, like to like be morally like upstanding. And I'm like, but you found out then at the end that basically everything you have is because of drug money or from mm-hmm. like, um, you know, the streets. Like none of this is like legit money. And you have no problem with that. You had no problem with saving your cousins from going to that um, that white school to give them drug to sell the drugs. You had no problem with any of that shit. But like when you thought about like Kasim and like Dre and all these people, like you were so judgmental. And so judgmental. Honestly, Dre, who was like the villain in this, was the most well fleshed out. Because like the author, she also, character. she also did like these little like um, what 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 do we call them? Like little like story. Like little like, like side stories, story, like side stories to give you insight into characters, and not yeah. a single one of it made fucking sense, right? Except for freaking Dre. Dre's, like yeah. Dre was like the only real character in this, and so, but also he was the bad guy. Of course he was. So you know he got he he got what he deserved. Kasim <laughs> because Kasim was just doing a favor for somebody. Got what he deserved. Her uncle. You know, doing a favor for Q got what he deserved. Like it was just, I, I, I didn't like it uh, really at all. I didn't think it was well written, so I will give her that. Like it was yeah, a very well written book. It was, book. It was easy to get through. Book. Yeah, but mm, the, the actual contents of it, like outside of the immigration process, I thought that was actually like when I was reading it in the beginning, I was excited to find out what this book was about, and then it got to the whole drug stuff and like. Her being an insider, you know, snitch or whatever. And I was like, what is going on right now? Honestly, I, and that was the thing. When I started this book, I thought it was going to be more, like, about, like, you know, an Asian the immigration girl, experience. Like, yeah. as, like, like an Asian experience in this, like, world. Instead, it became, like, a drug thing. And then the way she treated Detroit, I was like, ma'am, have you ever been to Detroit? Like ever? right, yeah. She did Detroit dirty in this book for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. And honestly, the whole like American Street Enjoy Road thing, like she kept bringing it up. And honestly, I didn't feel like I felt like she didn't connect it properly enough to the story too. So I... she tried, she tried to, but it didn't. Unless you like really sat and like read her author's note and stuff like that that was the only way yeah. you would actually get like the what she's what she was going for you know yeah yeah okay well that was american street uh do you want to talk about anything you've been reading me okay the better question would be not because i've been flying so much right what i've been doing and not me yawning on the, the air too. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna leave it in too. I'm gonna leave it in. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, because I've been traveling so much, like I didn't really get the chance to watch. Mainly, what I had the chance to do was read because you know, flights, airplane flights, sitting in the airport. You know, what else can I do? <laughs> um, right. So. I read a lot of things, um, and we're gonna 
just do my usual rapid fire result, um, rapid fire reviews. So I read the Wicked Fortune series by AJ Merlin, and it's basically about this witch who every so in this world every witch gets their own like divinity type thing and each witch has like mm-hmm. a unique divinity but then it's also passed down by like family power and stuff and so georgette she got the divinity of using her tarot cards and basically what her power is that is that using these tarot cards she can literally summon like the chariot or the moon like she can summon these things to help her and so she her what happens is she goes to new orleans and she was trying to save her um cousin who i forgot what the cousin's thing was because it was irrelevant it was really about georgette right and when Mm -hmm. she goes to new orleans like one of the vamp this vampire guy he's trying to overturn the vampire king of new orleans and then the witches were like oh we'll make a bet we'll make a deal with you if you can do that type thing um if you if you can take it over and so basically the first book follows her like helping she helps the vampire king who he has like his boyfriends and they become a whole polyamory relationship it was it was very nice you know it was very diverse you know we had we had some egyptians we had some uh asians we had some black they did a little she had a little she sprinkled in a little voodoo she did the thing you know she 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 really she really diversified new orleans like julia platt cannot relate you know <laughs> um and so like the first book basically ends with like i don't even remember how, oh yeah it ends with like georgette finally like getting to um uh i can't remember like basically she finally gets like she was being hunted kind of the whole book so she finally like becomes one with her wolf because she's also a half witch half wolf hybrid and she you know starts dating the guys and the girl and then in the next book she gets like kidnapped by the loas and they're like trying to help like she has to like do a bunch of um, trials and stuff with the voodoo people to like help her get through. And, you know, she's still dating all these people. And then her and the trickster, who actually he's my favorite guy. I don't even remember his name right now, but I, he was a nine tailed fox, but he was a trickster, right? So when he, mm-hmm. in the first book, when she needed a fox to help with like the mind, like to help combat different mind tricks. And when she, when she, met him he pretended that he was a wee little innocent little fox like oh just this little boy doesn't know anything blah 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 and they're like oh why would you get us a two-tailed fox like don't you know that they can't even help until they have nine tails or or until they have three tails or whatever and so then eventually they found out oh actually this man is a motherfucking like superstar like a real inyasha top dog type shit you know and he was just Mm. fucking with them the entire time but in bury their bones they get a little bit closer and then in the third book i don't even remember what happened much in the third book i think uh there was a lot of like sacrifices and stuff but it kind of ended on a cliffhanger and i was a little bit sad about that because i was like huh and I, she's not going to write anymore because this is from like 2021. And so she's moved on from that series. However, wow. there was something about that, right? I rated them all three stars. Um, 
but in reality they're like i would say book one three book two 2.5 and book three 2.75 you know very average reads but mm -hmm. they were interesting like if you kept my interest for as long as you did i it's like a moral obligation at that point to give you three stars you know right um so then i got like i don't know she put crack in them because i read all three so then i started reading another book that she wrote called pretty little tease and it was about this <laughs> i'm sorry just me thinking back about that book i'm cracking up because i'm just like what the fuck was that book so it was like this college girl and she moves into this place and she's like taking like i think she's like i want to say she's a senior and she has to take like a class for like her capstone this photography class so she starts taking this class and then this guy i can't remember his name but he's like all up on her very weird energy and then the professor and the guy have weird energy too. And then she watches like this cam guy and he has his mask on. And then obviously it's the same, it's the same fucking guy from her class. And she finds that okay. out. But then she decides, oh, you know, cam is an easy way to make money. So I'm gonna do the same too. But then she was like, but then it was like she was being stalked as well. And long story short, basically these two, like the two guys, they watch like her cam too and they they're like obsessed with her essentially and like you i mean the know. teacher and the student yeah because like the teacher and the student okay. they're in like a, their own relationship but nah this is where this the story gets like insane is because while this is happening she has like a roommate slash best friend that she lives with and um women who look like her best friend so like asian women have been dying all across campus right and so then we basically find out that the guy, he's like a serial killer. And <laughs> wait, wait, what? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, wait. The male lead, like the guy that she is getting close to and does cam work and all this kind of stuff is a serial killer. Yes, okay. he's basically like a okay. murderer. And because he's he dislikes the best friend and thinks she's a bitch, he's been taking out his anger by killing people that look like her. And I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> wow. And then wow. and then she but then she actually was being like stalked by like a actual pervert guy, I guess, on the internet. And he followed her home. And then so she she killed him. And then they were all like, oh, we've created a little murderer or some shit like that. And then the funniest thing is the professor ends up grading her and he gives her like a B minus. And then she was like, what the fuck? I did everything right. How can I only get a B minus in your class, blah, blah, blah. So then the professor is like, and I just remember this because this is the quote that stuck out the most to me because the professor says, you're more upset about this B minus than when you found out that, I can't remember his name, but the guy is a killer. And I was like, yeah, no, for real. Like, she did not blink an eye at the fact that Homeboy was a murderer. But the B- minus was where she drew the line. <laughs> so there's supposed to be a second book in the series, which I will read. Because why not? I have nothing better to do with my time, clearly. Um, I gave it, it was a 2.75. I gave it 3. <laughs> wow. That was um, not where I was expecting the story to go. I know. I, I wasn't expecting it either. I was like, honestly, when I saw that when they were, he was like, 
oh, he has urges to kill people. I was like, oh, I did not see this happening. And I was just cracking up. <laughs> um, so then I read, so everybody on TikTok was hyping the fuck out of this book. They were like, Nikki, read it. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. So I read this book called Sunny Disposition by Deanna Gray. And it's basically the story of Naomi and Finn. Naomi is a sunshine and Finn is a grumpy. And honestly, I'm sorry, grumpy ex-sunshine people, you guys are just not winning me over because I just, I don't know what it is about sunshine female leads that I'm just like, you're annoying. Like, I don't know. I, I've yet, like, it and Second Chance Romance, when it comes to novels, I've just not had any luck with, like, the grumpy sunshine trope where it's the the female that's the sunshine. I have had luck when the right. female, when the... The, the the male is the sunshine and the female is because here's the thing i like a, a sundary lead like i love a grumpy lead as well but i think it's the sunshine mm -hmm. female lead that i just can't stand but basically yeah. um so finn he's like a aki person whatever he's been chatting with this girl online and then he's like oh let's meet up after this game but then because he's hockey and hockey's violent whatever he gets into a fight yeah 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 forgets basically almost everything about his life and Misha blah 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 so fucking boring oh my god it was so boring Naomi's black um Finn's white and Naomi is annoying as fuck because she eventually like it eventually becomes like a cohabitation situation where oh my god it turns out that the guys she's like living downstairs I don't okay that was the thing that I couldn't understand either but she has a friend and her friend instead of like I don't know letting her live with her decides Oh, we have a house that we're renting out to people. Um, and the guys, like, we have four people that are going to live upstairs. And we have a spare room downstairs. But there's only one bathroom on this floor that you have to use or whatever. Right? And then the kitchen's on the other floor. And all you have to do is, like, clean up. And you won't have to pay rent. But you have to live with them. Like, what? Yeah, it feels like she, her friend was kind of prostituting her out at that point. Like, <laughs> like, like guys, here's a maid. <laughs> But yeah, right, okay. um, and then eventually, like, he finds out it's her, and I don't know, it was so boring. Like, it was, like, reading paint dry in, like, slow motion. Like, I was just like, are you guys for real? Like, I was like, TikTok, why do you guys do this? And I was like, you guys <laughs> think it's good just because it's, like, a swirl romance? And that's the only answer I can give. I'm Obviously. sorry. Like, it was boring. Obviously. Um, I, I know it. what it is about them swirl, the swirl novels, especially like the hockey ones. But like black girls, like they really go up for them stuff. Like they I'm just do. Like, okay, I but is it like... good? Is it good? <laughs> so then I went on. Wait, actually, let's just talk about one other. We're gonna talk about another one, and then I'll tell you how I got deep in the Omega Verse Kindle Unlimited catalog. Um, so I we visited once again my good old friend Hannah Wong, who honestly speaking, her books have been very boring and long-winded and I've rated almost all of them about two to three stars. But you know, I'm always willing to give somebody a try. And it was AAPI month, so I was like, let me give this Asian woman a read or two. So I read her new book one in her new series, King of Sin. And it's basically a mafia arranged marriage romance, and it was boring as fuck. Um, Dante is like a ruthless guy or something. Honestly, yawn, 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 yawn. Vivian, no personality. 
Dante, no personality. You put it together, you get no flavor in this book. Like, this book was so fucking boring. Like, I wanted to literally slit my wrist while reading this. And I don't know why I did not DNF it. Um, because it was so boring. Like, and that's my big, the biggest crime that you can give me is to, for me to be bored. Like, be bad, but don't be boring, you know? Oh, my instrument went out. I only heard Anna Wong. That was it. Just say yes. Yes. <laughs> like, you can be bad, just don't be boring, you know? And okay. this was very boring. I gave it two stars just because, you know... Honestly, I don't even know why I gave it two stars. I should really <laughs> give it two, one. It was so lame. Um, oh, you know why I gave it two stars? Because I said I wanted to read the second book, which is Kings of Something. I don't know. I'm actually reading it right now. Kings of oh, my Pride. God. I feel like that is was on my Kindle for the longest time. And I literally just deleted it. Oh, I mean, you're not missing anything. <laughs> I said, so I was I was going to read, I, I, I am reading King of Pride. However, it is falling to the same category of King of Wrath in which it is fucking boring, which is sad because I thought right. Isabel had so much fucking personality. Like her and Kai had so much personality in book one. So I was like, surely their book would be good, but it's also boring. So anyways, so as, um, before that, and then after, also after that, I fell into, that was also the reason why I decided to read that book was because a bitch was reading way too much Omega verse <laughs> books. And so I was like, I need to read something else. So I have, between, for the month of uh, January, uh, May, I have read one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Omega verse books. Okay. Are half of them the same fucking story? Yes. Did I still read it? Also, yes. So, I read one called The Omega Merger, which of all the books, that one was definitely the most unique one. So it was basically a girl um, and she is a beta, but it in this world, like they can switch um, between destinations and they can switch like back and what? forth. So That's she crazy. ends up, yeah. Yeah. So she ends up, because, but you have to interact with another switch to switch. And so basically this story is that like, you know, she she works with her fellow beta Kelvin and they they kind of have a bond. And then she's been doing like mergers between like this Australian comp like this fellow Australian company and then like a British company or something like that. I honestly can't remember like what the companies were mm -hmm. or like where the companies were, but I just knew that that was the whole the old premise was that they were doing this merger or whatever. Um when the Omega of one of the companies comes into contact with her, he switches into an alpha, right? Because he's a switch as well. But that triggers other switches. And so her latent switchness got switched as well. And so, you know, it actually was a really, like, it was really interesting. Like, I actually was a little bit sad that she hadn't written anything else within this um, mm -hmm. verse. Um, she does have one that's coming out and I want to, I'm going to read that. And then I decided that I wanted to see what else she's written, like what other books she's written. And I did download a couple books that she's written to read because I did like the way, like I thought she wrote well enough mm -hmm. where you, even though I, I hate when reverse harems have more than like four people, three is my sweet spot. That's like my three, my sweet spot. Mm -hmm. But this one had a lot, but I also felt like, 
I was able to care for all of them. Not like care, like, oh my God. But I just mean like, I was like, I wasn't rolling my eyes when there was a different perspective, um, point of view, you know what I'm saying? So I gave it three stars. Um, I I think on Storybook, I gave it like 3.25 or something because I really did enjoy it. I thought it was different, unique taste, um, take. I read this one called Scarlet by Cinder Blaze. And um, this was supposed to be another mafia omega story whatever so she's like a uh unclaimed omega honestly boring i am very surprised that i finished it because when i saw them use on a live unironically i wanted to unironically on a live myself <laughs> why are you as a published author using the phrase on a live right anyways i gave it two stars on um, i think on uh, Goodreads, it was 1.5. Not on Goodreads, Sorograph. on Sorograph 1.5. I I read Finding Their Omega, um, which is by Sadie Moss. And so she is a beta, mm-hmm. right? But she's not actually a beta. She's an omega. And she's been using heat suppressants to hide it. So she's been hiding it from everyone. Like, she's an omega, but she wants to live her life as a beta because she wants to be free and wild and fun and blah, blah, blah. But she switches her medication and it turns out that it was black market and they didn't do a good job about keeping uh, about it. And so she essentially perfumes in a crowded club. And when she and then she gets set marked by like another alpha. So then this other alpha had to take her home. When they when she goes to the pack, they're all like, why the fuck you bring this unmated Omega air? Like, what the fuck is up with you? But it turns out she's actually drawn to all of them. And it turns out that they're like a scent match or something. Honestly, once again, yawn, boring, uh, two out of five. I think I gave it 1.5 on Storygraph. It was lame. I didn't even think I like. I don't even think I liked any of the guys either. Um, oh, <laughs> my re- my review says nothing happens for a majority of the book except for them fucking. Was the sex good? For the most part. But here's the thing. I need others to choose. If I'm going to get 450 pages, I need something to happen. I just felt, it just felt so long-winded because all they knew, they all knew they wanted to be together, but then didn't finalize it until 90% in. And you're dragging it. Also, I think this would have been better at their being gay shit. Sorry to the no MM in my RH stance, but I want MM, especially in my Omegaverse. I mean, that's the whole point. That's the whole reason Omegaverse was created for MM right right okay so then <clears throat> then we i read pax pledge um and <laughs> it says all i ever wanted to be was is until i met his pack oh yes this one okay so this one we had this girl and she, in this world they're like uh different like uh heat clubs and like different places like where alphas can go and they can hook up with omegas consensually and stuff like that right Mm -hmm. without necessarily um, marking or biting people and it's also like kind of like a singles mixer and then the people who work in the club are betas right so only betas work in it the patrons are um, alphas and omegas and so this beta she has had a long uh, has had a crush on her best friend connell for a long time but then he presented as an alpha and then she was like oh fuck can't be with him anymore right um, so then, but she's joined the club just so that she could see him 
to see if she could see him or whatever. So Connell, he has his own like little pack. Um, I can't remember two other guys. Um, one is the Omega and the other is a fellow Alpha. And then they kind of started. They kind of have their pack and they start a relationship. Um, the the Alpha, um, he runs into her and because they're at the club to find somebody to help them to help um the guy get through his heat his omega heat because they're like the two of them is just not Mm -hmm. enough and so then they brought in so then they were going to bring in someone from the club they run into her and then they're like oh the three of us really should work on this and be together So, so then um connell was like no i'm never gonna share her so her and connell ended up being like an exclusive relationship for like pretty much half the book and then she, um he was like he kept wondering what like everybody the other two guys kept feeling like a a connection to her and so he had asked her you know what if you know we zoom 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 and then she was like yeah i would zoom zoom with them and so then they all like kind of got together but then connell got like in his head about it thinking that he was he forced this on her or whatever so they break up but then they get back together and it was fine actually i, I did enjoy it i gave it 2.5 stars so it was it was one of the better of the omega versus books right mm-hmm. and then i read not my pack which this one is she has a twin sister she's a beta to her sister's omega um, not her twin sister, her older sister is Omega, and so she does everything for her sister, and everyone in her family does everything for her sister, and they're all we love her sisters. Um, then, however, what happened was, um, turns out her family borrowed money from this like, uh, military pack, and so in order for her to get like, uh, in order for them to make her daughter the surrogacy, and so her family just upped and dipped in the middle of the night and said, "Fuck you, girl." And so they kidnapped her, except not really kidnapped. They took her. Then they took her in, and it was it was it wasn't bad actually. It was like a pretty decent story. Well, like you could tell that like the person really thought about like the different angles they were going with this, and there was like a secret murder plot, and then it take uh, then things got taken away, and then it turns out that she's actually not the real daughter. It was it was pretty decent. It was decent enough that I was interested in reading the second book, and I got halfway to the second book, and I just DNF'd it the other day because I realized that I don't care um so first book three stars second book dnf and then the last omega book i read oh actually it's two more (laughs) it's two of them i read both books in the series so i read um books one and two in the omega match series and so the first book is about um kara no clara one of the two of them they're there's they're twin sisters um so this sister she is they're both twin sisters, twin omegas. It's very rare, whatever we know, blah, blah, blah. One sister, she's like the perfect omega. She gets like omega of the year. She gets like everything. She does it right, right? She does everything right. She wants to get matched. She wants to do everything. And then we had the other sister who's like, I don't want to match. Like, I want to be by myself. I want to open my own business. I want to do these things, right, and live life. So the first book is that sister's story where she gets matched with this, like, bootleg football is what I'm going to call it because it's basically their football, but they're not really football. But she gets matched with, like, this football team, essentially. And they... um, they they did they got matched with her just because they let their manager take care like take over that situation um and she got matched 
basically we found out it was like a long-winded conspiracy that the manager was trying to fuck them over by giving them like the worst omega that they could get matched with but it turns out that they're actually like faded mates because they're actually like a scented match and so it works out in the end it wasn't bad uh two out of five you mm-hmm. know it wasn't bad was it good um and then the second book is on the sister's side and the sister now she's spiraling because you know she's like i'm only used to being the perfect omega like i don't know how to not be the perfect omega you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying and so um she ends up basically it's just been like a hot ass mess her book was slightly funnier than the first one so she was she ends up becoming like a hot ass mess and falls into the swimming pool of like uh let's say exo basically like one of the biggest boy band omega groups or whatever and it turns out that you know they are a set match as well and they have their little story they have like a lot of like um like crazy fan stalkery shit going on and stuff like that but it was decent, so I also gave it two out of five stars. So yeah, wow. Yeah, I did ask her for Rex, but I realized that they were mostly harem stuff, and I'm not into harems, so um, I definitely will check out ABO stuff. I've been reading ABO. I haven't read any more ABO fan fiction, but I haven't read any like published stuff yet. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, that was a lot. <laughs> I'm surprised that you like even remembered what happened in these books. Anyways, uh, let's honestly, as I it was, I, if, if I hadn't popped them open, I would not have remembered what happened. But then, as I was talking, that's when I remembered. Anyways, let's talk about TVD. I guess, yes, we shall talk about TVD. Okay, so we're we realized that we have not spoken about TVD in years, guys. Yeah, it's been forever and a day. Uh, so we, uh, where are we, what episode are we on in TVD right now? Um. See. We watch Bloodlines. We watch Unpleasantville. We watched. Did we watch Children of the Damned? Which was the flashback? Yes, right? No, no. we didn't. We didn't no, watch no, no. Children of the Damned is what we're. Yeah. yeah, that's where we are. So we're up to episode 12. And while watching this, rewatching this series, we realized quite early that TVD never showed any signs of really wanting to get to know Bonnie. Like, I feel like watching it live, it was harder to see that. But watching it now, yeah. um, like rewatching it now, it's very clear that TVD had no desire to give Bonnie anything because they did a better job of giving Anna and not Anna um oh what's the aunt's name again Jenna Jenna and Vicky and Caroline oh my god Caroline gets so much stuff uh to do and Bonnie is just like I'm a witch kind of and then she disappears literally that that's that's the story for Bonnie everybody has romantic storylines Bonnie does not uh, so that's something that we both kind of realized when we were rewatching. Uh, the show itself is, it's it, like, it's picking up and definitely things are getting exciting, you know, um, with what we're seeing. Like Damon had uh, set up Lexi and Lexi died. And, you know, personally, I thought that, um, what's her name? The, the witch that they went to visit was very right to um you know have the boyfriend have uh oh yeah yeah Lexi's boyfriend come and try to kill Damon I couldn't understand for the life of me why Elena was protecting him because it wasn't like even at the point where she 
you know, considered him a friend. Friend, yeah, it was very weird. He was literally just Stefan's girlfriend, Stefan's brother, sorry. And she was mad at Stefan at the time because she just realized, this is when she had just realized that her and Catherine was identical. So it was kind of weird. Like, it didn't really make sense that she would be so protective of Damon so early in the show. But, you know, I guess, you know, people will be like, oh, it's their chemistry. You know, she knew she loved them from the very beginning. Blah, blah, blah. I guess, whatever. Anyways, um, I don't really have anything else to say about the show, to be honest. Like, uh, Jeremy, every time Jeremy comes on screen, I groan. Uh yeah him and anna are cute but i'm gonna be a hater forever so you know it is what it is uh tyler is there matt and caroline are doing their whole thing right now but also caroline's still being like mind controlled by oh my god honestly though caroline is so irritating yeah she really was at this point really irritating she's such a pick me absolutely um and yeah i mean the the interesting stuff are like the council we figured out who the council are um um, what's his name um got turned what was his name jenna's ex got turned into a vampire logan got turned uh vicky got turned so far so we've lost two people who you know had you know somewhat lines and shit on that on the show so far uh damon is fooling the council into believing that he's a human because the council doesn't know that vampires can walk in in the sunlight so far uh damon killed uncle zach for literally no reason and yeah i think that's kind of it um the salvatore bloodline does continue because we find out in like season six that Uncle Zach had a girlfriend, had a, had a girlfriend, like a black girlfriend, had a baby, and they had a biracial baby. And so, um, yeah, we find out that the Salvatores are not done here. Uh, but yeah, that is TVD so far. Um, I kind of, that is TVD. I got into in season two, but I can definitely, like, I'm, like, remembering why, like, watching all of these episodes really quickly for the first time it kind of, like, I was excited because there's so much going on. Like, the story was moving pretty quickly at this point. So there were surprises almost every episode. And the thing is, like, the show actually is going to pick up even more. So we're going to get to a point in season, like, near the end of the season when um, Elena's birth mother, um, what's her name, comes in and, like... Yeah, um, Isabel and John. Yeah, and Uncle and John. Catherine. Yeah, so things are definitely going to pick up because I remember Cause we actually we haven't even we haven't even had Catherine no. show up yet. No, so the end of this season, it like things get ramped to like the nth degree. So I'm actually really excited to see Catherine again. Before they neutered her um, on the show, yeah, yeah, she was just like she was my, <laughs> my favorite characters, honestly. Like I, my love for early Catherine and Bonnie, like were unparalleled, like they were unmatched at that point, right? So. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see her again and also see her and Stefan because, yes, I shipped Catherine and Stefan. I don't care. They were my first ship on the show. Even before Bayman, I was a Stefan fan, so. <laughs> I never compelled your love. Right, right. This sounds like the beginning of a love story, Stefan. <laughs> but anyways, yes, uh, I'm, I'm actually excited to see her and to get more of her. But yeah, so that is TVD. We'll let you know. I mean, it's going to take us forever to get through, guys. 
like let's be real it's gonna because every time we're like oh should we watch tv let's come we're like mm, let's come or oh i'm free today do you want to watch tvd or should we try to watch something else oh let's watch something like it's really bad guys yeah. We'll get through it. We'll get through it eventually, but you know, it's just gonna be slow moving. Okay. Um, I I didn't think of a topic, but I didn't think we needed a topic. I thought we were gonna do a catch up because you know it's been a month. Oh, okay, because I found um a Naruto character tier list, but we can do a catch up too. That's fine. We can save the tier list for later. Um <laughs> so wait. See, a tier list doesn't work for me with Naruto because I genuinely only like three people. <laughs> um, and I, I mean that in like a sense of like, I literally only care about three people. So everybody else would probably be in the eh zone, um, in the they're okay zone, you know what I'm saying? And then except for Sakura and Sasuke, they're at the bottom. Gosh. Like that's, so that's all you need to know about my, my tier list. Like, <laughs> But no, I just mean like, you know, just like a little catch up, you know. Okay. Um, this morning we woke up to devastating news. I don't even want to talk about it. Like, I'm so, like, I don't know what it is about EXO, but every single time I hear about somebody leaving EXO, I go through some emotional damage. I feel like it always, it's because it's always people I care about. It's never the people that I would prefer to like leave the group. You never hear about <laughs> Sehun. Sehun never is never gonna leave. You Exo. know what's so fucking like, guys? I so I was at work all day, so I didn't like get to listen to Nat's message until I got home, and I played the message, and Nat's literally in the message, and she's like, "Oh, I was about to get my dream EXO lineup. No Sehun, no Jungin, and now this is what I had to deal with." Yeah. <laughs> I don't share the same sentiments as that. Just so you know, I just think it's funny. I just find her hilarious. Every single time. Honestly, like, they came out with Overdose. They lost Chris. I mean, hey, Chris sucks. But, you know, so it's fine. But at the time, I was a Chris fan. And so that was really hard for me. And then they lost Head, And I love Head. And then they lost Tao. And I was like, Tao? And then Lay stopped showing up. And I was like, Lay? And I was... <laughs> Literally all of XOM is gone. I'm just like, how the fuck? Uh, you're so funny. But you know what, though? I will say, um, people have been being funny. Like, I've seen like tweets that have been really funny. Um, someone was like, oh, my whole time they've been sitting in front talking about, um, Chen out. Meanwhile, whole time Chen's been out. Chen been trying to get out <laughs> or something like that. I was cracking up. And then, you know, what also affects Super M. Oh. Exo man, I'm. So oh, I love that. So I upset. Uh, I'm like really sad. It's really. Now. I don't think it, I don't think the news hit me until like just now. I'm just realizing that like what the fuck, you know? Yeah, I, it's really crazy because like top 
literally earlier this week like confirmed that he was out of Big Bang, and that actually didn't affect me much. I mean, but I see- but we, I feel like I knew That's that. the thing like, I did. I, like, when he did that whole article about, like, leaving YGE and, like, forging his own path, I just assumed that was, like, him leaving the group, just not saying it. So I actually treated that more, like, I was more emotional about that. So when this stuff came out, everyone was like, oh, he's officially, like, saying that he's out of the group. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, he's been saying it. Yeah, but we, like, knew Yeah, that. exactly. Oh, speaking of, do you know, have you seen that um, BM has been going viral because of his um song about like something like she wants it in me or something. i don't know oh, from but everybody's like what is yeah or like something like everybody's like going crazy i'm just like it's really so funny. i'm like but bm has been telling us that he's a grown man so i don't know like i just icky the song itself is not even that good so i just like like ring the alarm was a good song and then they dropped two very unforgettable like forgettable like um titles because i can't remember the name of the song they dropped last year and then there's icky so i was just like oh okay card honestly just needs to go back to their reggaeton roots like just just make make bad bunny music like that's what they need to do i don't know i just don't feel like a (laughs) (laughs) i don't feel like oh as we were talking as we were talking um it says in a new statement issued by Lynn Law Firm regarding the development situation, the firm stresses that CBS had not signed with another agency. They also shared that EXO members were able to read their statements but were refused a copy of the data, stating that if the agency refuses to provide data then the art that the artists have achieved is a violation of the exclusive contract. The statement concludes that CVX members want to continue being a part of and promoting with EXO, even if they terminate their current contracts. Okay. I mean, SM said that they will be there to film that music video, so I guess they will be there to film that music video. I mean, like, I guess that's what it means. <laughs> Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna have to read through some of that kind of stuff. I know that Simpy had like a full translation of it, but it was kind of convoluted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Well, I guess the main takeaway for me is that obviously they don't want to leave. No. Not like they don't want to leave, but they, like, they're obviously like not just co-workers. Right. No, I mean. as as, as, As armies like to state. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, it didn't seem like they wanted to get out of EXO. It seemed that they were trying to get transparency from SME. SME was not giving them the transparency yeah. that they deserved. Yeah. And also, also, from what I'm hearing, um, a lot of everything that was happening with the high B takeover earlier this year made a lot of people there nervous. And a lot I've heard that it's not just going to be these members, these three members. It's going to be a lot more SME artists who are not going to resign uh while maybe still maintaining their groups from like snsd specifically i heard taeon was looking at other companies as well so it's going to be really interesting yeah. to see because like that whole thing with hybe i think it did a lot of internal damage because it literally pitted people like employee versus employee and the people who were really affected were like the artists because mm-hmm. it put all of their stuff on stand so what i'm sorry i like you know why i should not have came on twitter because now people are cracking me up because so i guess uh yg announced that jisoo has covid and so she's not gonna be performing in osaka tell me why 
one of my mutuals goes, eh, her being there won't make a difference. Her not being there won't make a difference anyway. And, and then Elle responds and goes, eh, miracle parts for Jenny, eh. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna say that I disagree with that sentiment. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know what? They might have their best concert yet. Like, no <laughs> Yes. Um, any anything else? Um, I'm excited to watch Little Mermaid. I'm excited really to watch uh, Fast X. Yeah, I have to make some time to watch these things. I'm excited to watch. I'm excited to watch um, Spider Verse. Oh yeah, Into the Spider Verse two is coming out. I'm really excited about that as well. Trying to get back on track. It's kind of been May. Get back into things for June. Yeah, I'm like trying to catch up on things, and it's so hard. So we are definitely going to, um, I'm going to read more. That's a pledge. I'm going to write more. And we're going to make sure that we bring you even better content with, you know, maybe we should have some guest ons or something as well, too. Yes. We've invited a few people. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. And Attack on Titan's coming back. Bleach is coming back. And why is Rufia in the trailer more than once? Like, why are you guys promoting it? Like, she's in this fucking, like, anime. She's not. Literally, her scenes get whittled down to basically nothing until the very end. So, like, I was like, oh, there's a lot of Rukia in this trailer. Why is there more of her than, like, Renji, who actually is in this, in this anime? Like, yeah, she has a story. I was very confused. Uh, Orihime's not in it. Points were made. And, yeah, I'm still watching Inuyasha. I'm still... I keep starting dramas, like, anime, sorry, and just, like, Playing in the background, but not really doing much about it. So, like Inuyasha, Hunter Hunter, and Yu Yu Hakusho. I started. I've been rewatching all of these, uh, and yeah. Also, shout out to RDC World One Anime House was so funny, and I've just been watching. I've been consuming so much of their content lately. So um, definitely check out RDC World One and their their stuff because they're hilarious, hilarious guys who had to make their own space because you know other anime places were not accepting black people basically so yeah check them out yeah. check out nyan check out um unbothered unnies and you know all of the people who are creating really dope content for free check them out <laughs> um, but yeah i think that's it guys uh thank you for listening if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you know how to reach us. SojuChronicles at gmail.com. SojuChronicles on Twitter. And yeah, we're going to go. Peace. Bye.